My name is Margarita Ingle. My book is Lion Island, Cuba's Warrior of Words, published by Simon & Schuster, Athenaeum. Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today, we continue our Unraveler series with Margarita Ingle. I sat down with her last November in Atlanta during NCTE's annual conference. In each Unraveler episode, a book creator takes us inside one of their books, their inspiration, fears, frustrations, triumphs, epiphanies, the whole thing pulled apart, unraveled. Today, Margarita talks about her book, Lion Island. She shares how teaching writing in the classroom has changed since the presidential election, and she shares what she tries to communicate in her books. Take it away, Margarita. This is inspired by the memoir of Antonio Tufat, who was a Chinese African Cuban messenger boy in the late 1860s and early 1870s, and he carried messages for a Chinese Californian businessman who had fled the violence in California, riots and massacres against Asians, to find refuge in Cuba. But Antonio Chufat's memoir also documents the nonviolent freedom struggle of indentured Cantonese laborers, hundreds of thousands of them, who were brought to Cuba to work in the sugarcane fields as slaves, housed with slaves, and intermarrying with slaves. And they were brought there through a treaty between the Emperor of Spain and the Emperor of China, who agreed to just transport laborers, uh, often against their will. In his memoir, he interweaves those stories of the Chinese Californians arriving in Cuba seeking refuge and the Chinese uh, indentured laborers and Chinese African laborers seeking their freedom through nonviolent means, especially petitions to the emperor of China asking for their freedom. idea of of huge masses of people writing petitions really inspired me, and many of their petitions were written in verse. It's really a process of daydreaming uh, when I have all this factual information I'm imagining what does it feel like to be in that place in time, so it's time travel. I'm uh, putting it into present tense in my own mind and turning myself into Antonio Chufat for that uh, page or for as many pages as I give to his voice and then I'll switch to somebody else's voice. And in each case, there's this process of really slowing down and daydreaming. And one of the things that helps me the most is to write those first drafts longhand with a pen and paper. 
uh, outdoors when possible or right after being outdoors, right after going for a walk. I like to write early in the mornings. So sometimes I'm up before it gets light and outdoors isn't an option, but uh, basically with peace and quiet. I know there are people who tell me they write in crowded coffee shops. That's just not me. I write uh, alone with peace and quiet and in a very um, daydreaming atmosphere as if I can actually put myself into this other time and place. And when, when you talk about putting yourself into another time and place and into another person's voice, that is empathy. It teaches empathy. I learn to feel what that person must have felt and when I have their first-person memoir or diaries or letters to work from, then I feel confident that I really am trying to represent them fairly rather than just imagining, you know, without any written record, without any written, written document from them uh, what their lives might have been like. So their memoirs, their letters, really serve as kind of a, a inspiration and I feel like in some cases I'm just trying to translate from their adult style of writing about their own lives into one that's uh, kind of a, a friendly welcoming page with a lot of white space that might be inviting and a very simple kind of free-flowing uh, rhythmic but not rhymed style of free verse that I hope will be inviting to reluctant readers. I hope that they'll look at that page with a lot of open space and think, well, this isn't going to take very long to read. I can do this. Uh, the fact is that uh, a lot of teachers have grown up with the idea that poetry is, is complicated and hard to understand, but that's not true. These verse novels are very simple and easy to understand, and I hope that both the teachers and the students uh, will feel welcomed by those pages. My main advice for teachers right now, not just with respect to diversity in general, but with respect to teaching writing in particular, uh, everything changed very recently. Or I would have, it's going to sound like I'm on a soapbox. <laughs> uh, Ten days ago I would have said, you know, teach kids to write from the heart and say what they really mean and not worry about what anybody thinks. But right now, if there are Latino children in the classroom, I would advise teachers to show them metaphors, show them how to use metaphors, teach them how to write poetry with metaphors, because it would not be fair to ask Latino children right now to write, for instance, a factual memoir and tell about their own families, revealing perhaps 
information that might make them vulnerable to being put on lists for deportation, or in the case of Muslim children, perhaps for internment. So I think that we need to be teaching them about metaphors. Uh, I did a panel this morning where my writing prompt had been prepared. I was going to tell people, you know, go into your classrooms and uh, teach the kids how to write a past memory in present tense as time travel, to bring it to life by putting it in present tense. I changed that writing prompt from writing one's own memory to writing a metaphor memory. So I'm asking the teachers now to pretend you're a butterfly, a frog, or a tree, and write your memories of being a caterpillar, a tadpole, or a seed. I think the kids need poetry as a refuge because it's a safe place for their feelings but it's only safe if they don't reveal uh, specific information about their families. And so that's why I think uh, that in any time when a particular group has been chosen as scapegoats, as the Chinese Californians were during the 1860s, there was a drought in California. They were chosen as scapegoats because there was a drought and cowboys were losing their cattle and then they said oh well, the chinese are taking all our jobs you know and they massacred them one of the largest mass lynchings in the united states was of chinese californians in los angeles in the early 1870s and this is why 5000 of them fled to cuba mm -hmm. so in any time uh, period when a particular group has been chosen as scapegoats and has to live under a repressive regime, poets survive by writing in metaphors. And I think that we can uh, help children express their feelings without making themselves vulnerable. One of the main things that I was trying to communicate with this book and with most of my historical verse novels is to honor so someone, a real person, even though I do it in a fictional form and even though I do it in verse and I do it in present tense and I do it with multiple voices, but I'm honoring an individual from history such as Antonio Tufat who made nonviolent choices and used words to struggle for freedom. I write because I read, and I think that writing is a natural outgrowth of reading a lot. And I've been writing and reading just voraciously since I was very little. There was a point at which I couldn't find the kinds of things that I wanted to read in the library, and so I'd write them myself. Well, my hope 
for this book is really hope. I hope that it will um, offer hope to young people who might feel that these are hopeless times and that when we look at history and some of the same mistakes such as choosing scapegoats are made repeatedly also some of the same amazing wonderful things happen repeatedly such as finding nonviolent ways to struggle for freedom nonviolent freedom struggles always take longer than violent ones but they are more often successful thank you for listening to this episode of the yarn thank you philip stead for creating our theme song shout out to my buddy and super mario brothers legend travis yonker for his editing help Additional music for this episode comes from the Cuban Cowboys and Blue Dot Sessions via the Free Music Archive. If you have an idea for a season or episode of The Yarn, or if you just want to chat about books, send us an email, theyarnpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening.